What an incredibly great song and great way to look at life that we stand in the power of Christ. We have nothing to fear. We don't care what happens to us, so to speak, as long as the outcome is going to be that we're going to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. What a great way to come into this service to the preaching part with the baptisms having just occurred because today I want to talk to you about uh, some things that pertain to Christians and how we go through this particular time in our life. And so today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to challenge you to today, come to the point where you realize that you're a sinner, you're separated from God through your sin, and you need a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. The first part of the message will be addressing some of that, and I want you to pay attention to that. And all the way through, we've designed a chat room for you to be able to go to and say, you know what, I need prayer, I need to talk to somebody about some, something in my life, and people will be glad to respond to you. So I hope you'll do that. Well, right now, let's pray and let's begin with the preaching time. Father, would you bless us? Would you help us? Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Might the name of Jesus be lifted very, very high today. And I pray, God, you'll help us in the midst of this coronavirus that we are under to be able to find great hope in Jesus Christ that we as believers may live very differently than the rest of the world. Would you help us and fill us with boldness in who we are in Christ that we might be able to stand firm in him? I pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, having been where you are watching all of these uh, services online in home, in my home, I hope that you either have your coffee cup with you or your hot chocolate with you. I hope you're seated comfortably. I, see, I usually sit there with my dog on my lap and just kind of enjoy the service. But one thing I hope you have is I hope you have your Bible with you. And I hope you'll open it right now to Psalm 27, if you would. And I want to talk to you about something that I think is really, really important in the day and age in which we live. And it's called this, Gaining a New Perspective by Seeking God. You know, as I watch the news and I listen to pastors on TV, they're talking about the fact that so many people are filled with fear and their lives are very, very anxious right now. And I get that. I understand that fully. This is a very difficult time. As I talk with my neighbors around me, I see all sorts of different reactions. And we have been living in a very difficult time. We're going through emotions like this. Will I catch the coronavirus? Am I going to be one of those guys who gets sick? Well, then I was so greatly encouraged because they said the older population, I thought, well, that's not me. And then they said people over 60. I said, wait a minute. Colleen, how did we get so old in this period of life? And then they relaxed a little bit and said, well, now it's 65. And said, we're still not out of the woods. And we're just sitting there going, am I going to catch the virus? Some of you are worried about your job or your business. Am I going to have a job when this is all done? What's happening to my business in the meantime? Will I ever recover from the loss that I'm having right now? Some of you parents, man, I am so sorry for you. You're, you are sitting there going, will I ever make it through this schooling at home? What a challenge. It is so very, very difficult. And, and you're wondering, what's going to happen? Some of you, you've been shut in together. And the family tensions have arisen because you're not used to that. Uh, let me give you a side note on this. I was talking to somebody yesterday. He said, hey, I got a glimpse of retire what retirement's going to be like, and I like it. And we're sitting home, nothing to do. What's my future going to be? On a sad note, though, maybe you've known somebody who's died from the coronavirus, and your life is just torn apart right now. As a Christian, how do I face all of these things? How do I make it through successfully? How do I have hope and not live in despair like the rest of the world around me? Some great questions that we have to address today because as believers, we're called on to live very differently from the world around us. I believe the answer to that, those questions lies in this statement. We refresh ourselves and we gain a new perspective 
as we begin to seek God, as we get our eyes off the virus, as we get our eyes off loss of job, as we begin to focus on Christ, things begin to come in a new perspective. And Psalm 27 is one of those great Psalms that begins to lay out the hope that David had as a person who took his refuge in Christ in his difficult hours. Look at your Bibles with me, if you would, and begin in verse one, and it says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Oh, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. What great assurance is that? Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out your violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In that hope, that, that's what we need. We need to look at this and say, you know what? There's going to be an end to this, and I'm going to look with hope to what God is going to do. And here's his admonition to us. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, he's saying we're going to seek the Lord. So what happens when I seek the Lord? Here's the first thing I want you to see. Seeking God produces confidence in him. And if there's one thing we need today, it's confidence in God. I believe he's shaking us, especially as believers, so our confidence is not in our retirement account or in our job or, or in our securities around us. Our confidence is in God alone. Notice with me what he says, the whole basis for the confidence in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Three things I want you to notice about the Lord here. First of all, he is my light. Well, what does that mean? It means he leads me, he guides me, and he shatters all the darkness around me. You see, when I'm overwhelmed by all of the troubles that I have in the, the world, it seems like a dark and lonely place, especially in the middle of the night when I wake up and just this fear overwhelms me. But when I begin to focus on God in my life, who is my light, all of these troubles take on a new perspective because I begin to see my troubles from God's viewpoint. And that makes all the difference in the world. You see, with God as my light, I see him for who he is, and I see my problems for what they are, and I know that God can take care of every one of my problems that I have. It's gaining that perspective by seeing God as my light. I want to share something with you that I've just really thought about a lot this week. 
I don't even have to have all of the answers to my problems. I have to do one thing in life, and that is this, in the midst of my troubles. I have to trust Christ, who has all of the answers, and who knows what he is doing. That, my friends, is called faith. I trust God. I may not know what's happened. I may not know the outcome of it, but I know God, and I know what he is doing, and I know that I can trust him in any, any in every situation. The Lord is my light. I want you to see the second thing. The Lord is my salvation. So he not only dispels all the darkness around me, he delivers me. That's what it means to have the Lord as my salvation. I believe that God can deliver me from any situation that I face. God has delivered me in my past from my sins. You see, I, like the people in the baptistry and like all of us uh, who are listening today, we're all sinners. But one day I met Jesus Christ, who I realized died on the cross for me, and I asked him to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life, and he changed me, and I know based on the certainty of his word that all of my sins are forgiven. He has delivered me. And I believe if he's delivered me in the past from my sin, he will deliver me in the future from whatever I am facing. You know, sometimes we say, well, yeah, but God didn't deliver this person from cancer. They died. This is I remember one time when I was filling in at Lakewood Park when they were between pastures, I had a lady come and she had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. She asked the elders to pray for her and, and I said to her, you have to understand something. We're gonna pray for your healing, but God may delay your healing till you get to heaven, but this cancer will not stay with you for all eternity. You will be healed someplace along the line. We're gonna pray it happens now. She came to me two weeks later before we gathered the elders together for prayer and here's what she said to me. I believe God is going to heal me, but he's going to take me to heaven to do the job. You see, what she came to was this faith. I know I can trust God and that deliverance is going to come from this disease. It may be in heaven. Because, friends, we have to realize this. The great deliverance that I have and expect from God is this, that when I exit this world and enter into eternity, I will enjoy the presence of God for all the rest of eternity. That's what it means to trust God. He is my salvation. He is my deliverer. And someday I'm going to be delivered from this world in which I live. Here's the third thing I want you to see about God. He's my stronghold there in verse 1. My security in difficult circumstances, if you will. A stronghold means it's a place of safety and security. And when the calamities of the world begin to circulate all around me, God wants me just to run to him for protection. You see, difficulties drain us of all of our strength in life. But when I run to God in the midst of my difficulties, he gives me the strength to stand firm in the midst of everything I'm facing. <clears throat> Isaiah put it this way, Isaiah chapter 40 says this, he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. God is there in the midst of my difficulties when the coronavirus is weighing down on me, when family difficulties are weighing down on me, when I don't know about my job. He said, run to me, I will give you protection. What does he want you to do? <clears throat> he wants you to come to him and he wants you to do what Jesus did in the garden. He wants you to come to him and say, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy, the term of endearment, Daddy, I need your help. I need you to come. 
and believe that when we call out to him, he will come to our aid. He is our stronghold in the midst of our troubles. And as a result of those three things about God, notice what he says in verse 1 and in verse 2. Verse 1, whom shall I fear? Verse 2, of whom shall I be afraid? Because of who God is, I have no reason to live in fear. You see, light signifies a couple of things. It signifies understanding, joy, and life. A stronghold signifies defense. And when I have understanding, joy, and life, and I have a defense around me, I have all these provisions from God, I have no reason to fear at all what's going on in my life. I can trust God. In fact, David elsewhere in the Psalms, uh, in Psalm 56 verse 4, talks about this trust. He says, in God whose word I praise, now watch this, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Isn't that a great position to be in? Yeah, I may lose my job, but God's got it all in control. I can trust him through this thing. As a follower of Christ, I'm on God's side. I have to ask you this question. Then what do I have to fear? Romans 8.31 says, what then shall I say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? I like what somebody said. If God is for us, who cares who's against us? It doesn't matter. God's on our side, and that's the biggest thing in life. I want to say the next thing very carefully because I do realize that I don't want us to go against certain things that are out there. For instance, social distancing and all the things the government is laying out there. But I want to ask this simple question. What is the absolute worst thing that can happen to you in this coronavirus? Well, from a human perspective... The worst thing that can happen to you is you can die. And I don't mean to say that crassly or insensitively for all those who have lost ones, but as a Christian, understand this. If I die, I'm gonna be with Jesus. And the Bible says that's better by far. In fact, Paul writing in Philippians chapter one, verse 20 says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, friends, I think we got to get this new perspective into our brains. It's not all about life on earth. It's about being prepared for eternity that says, I can look at death and say, you know what? It's not the end. It's only the stepping stone to the most glorious thing that I could ever experience. That's heaven with Jesus Christ forever and ever. What do we have to fear, the psalmist says? We know where we're going. We know what's happening to us. We know who's our stronghold. We know who's our light. We know who's our strength. Let's rest in him. And Christians, that's what I'm calling us to. Let's not cower in fear. Let's rise in boldness and say, we trust God no matter what happens in our situations in life. Well, the psalmist goes on in verses two and three and shows us the reality of his confidence. He's just not spewing out words. Watch what he says in verse two. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I don't know about you, but man, and when somebody's attacking me, I'm like, no, stop. If an army's around ready to capture me, I'm like, God, get them out of here. But David is saying, I am not going to be afraid. I will be confident in God. You see, whether the danger came from evil men or an army surrounding him, David was not going 
to fear. Why? God had protected him in the past and he's going to do it again. And he's not going to be, he's not going to die. He's not going to do anything until God appoints the hour for that to happen. The enemies, you have to understand this too. The enemies would not be defeated because David was stronger than they were. That's not what it's about. It's not like I pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to beat this virus or I'm going to overcome this difficulty in my life. The Lord would intervene and cause the enemies to stumble and cause the enemies to fall. I think it's time for us as Christians to say, you know what, God, this coronavirus is all around here and we're scrambling for vaccines. We're doing, God, we need you to come to the aid of our country. We need you to be exalted again in our country. I say to Colleen the other day, one of the things that has amazed me in this virus, and I hear pastors saying about it, but one of the things that grieves me a little bit in today's society in America is we don't have a big national voice in Christianity like we used to have. I don't hear people calling us back to repentance before God. You read when difficult times happened in the past, people would stand up and say, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to God. I don't hear that today. So Christians, let's us begin to rise up and say, we need God back in the first place in this country, first place in our lives, and then see him win the battle over all of these things. These armies, these personal attacks were David's enemies. But I want to ask you a question. What's your problem today? What are you facing that's so difficult? Is it a person who's determined to destroy you? Yeah, they might even be a Christian, but they've got something against you. They're going to destroy you. Is that your enemy? How about an ethical situation at work that you're facing that you don't know what to do? Maybe this whole thing has thrown you into a financial crisis where you're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Is the coronavirus your enemy right now? What is it? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Run to God for help. Follow the biblical principles and let God help you win the battle. Go into your room privately and cry out and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, I need your help right now. I need you to come to me. I need you to rescue me right now. I need to know in this situation what your word says. And God, from you, I need confidence so that I can have courage to follow your word. I need to see your hand move in this situation so that you do some things that I cannot explain, but I get done and I say, God did the work, and then leave that prayer room and rest in confidence that God sees, God knows, and God will help. Again, friends, that is faith and that is trust in God. I'm not afraid to put God on display and say, God, <clears throat> I need you to do some things that I cannot do. I want to see you work in this situation because I'll show you in a little bit what happens when, when we see God really move and we're able to give him praise. Here's the second thing I want you to see about seeking God. Seeking God involves communion with him. Now, the word communion is not in this text, so let me help you understand what I'm talking about. Communion means to fellowship or to have a companionship with God. I think if it's, it's ever been needed in our time in, as believers in Christ, it's now, and it's this. We need to become friends with God. Abraham was called the friend of God. And I, whenever I read that passage, I say, God, I just want to be your friend. I know you're my Lord. I know my, you're my Savior. I know you're the director of my life. But I want to be a friend of God's and on that level with him. So what do I have to do with that? 
Well, I have to enter into an intimacy, if you will, of communion. Look at David in verse four. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David is saying, hey, my main pursuit right now is God. I'm gonna experience him more fully and I wanna experience his presence as a reality in my life. Well, you and I have the same call in our life. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, the things of the world will be added to you as well. David wanted to be in God's presence all of his life. For you and for me on this side of the cross of Calvary is living in in this day and age in Christianity. What does that mean to us? It means this. I want to walk every day of my life aware of God's presence through the Holy Spirit in my everyday living out life. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? That Holy Spirit is in my life and he's active. And when I focus on him, I begin to see some wonderful things. David is saying, God, I want to gaze on your splendor, on your grace, on your favor, on your love, and on your goodness. And when I begin to focus on the fact that God is within me, and I focus on him, I begin to see God's splendor, his grace, his favor, his love, and his goodness. And the things of the world begin to take on a different dimension because I see God again for who he is. The more time we spend with God, the more we see how awesome he is. And the more we become filled with awe before him in our everyday lives. This is fellowship with God where we are as close to him as we can possibly be so that thoughts of him fill our lives continually. It's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15 when he said, remain in me and I will remain in you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now watch this. Now remain in my love. Jesus is saying, I want a close connection with you every single day that you live. It's so easy to fall out of that, isn't it? It's so easy to be sidetracked by all the things we have to do, all the things in life. I'm so thankful for my neighbors, and I hope some of them are listening today because I've given them several, several invitations to listen today. A little differently, I said, I want you to see how many mistakes I make because I'm not looking at the camera. But I want them here to listen because I so appreciate my neighbors. Because I'm able to talk to them on a regular basis. And what I want them to see in my life is that I'm not fearful for all this because I know who Jesus is. Because God's got this under control. And as we talk back and forth as neighbors, we begin to see so many things going on around us. And I hope that what you are experiencing with God on a daily basis, you can take when you're going out on your walk in your neighborhood, when you're talking over the back fence in your yards, connecting yards, you're able to talk about some of the things you're seeing about God and rise above all the disaster around us and see him because you've been having fellowship with him. 
I want you to see the protection that comes. As I fellowship with God, something wonderful happens to me. It's in verse five, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me on a high rock. That's the part I want to focus on, lifting on a high rock. For David, he found safety from his enemies in the tabernacle, which was the place where God dwelt. And when David went to God, he knew God would put him, watch this, on a high rock, a place where his enemies couldn't touch him. Well, in my life, I have been placed on the true rock, who is Jesus Christ, and in him, I am now protected by God's almighty love from anything that could happen to me. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Boy, do we need that confidence today. Nothing is going to separate us when we know Christ. And I mentioned this before, but I want you to see now. As God begins to work and God begins to deliver, something ought to happen to us. It's found in verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David says when he delivers me from all of my troubles, I'm going to go and I'm going to shout as loud as I can shout, God has given me deliverance. We're not going to be able to contain ourselves. Look at what God has done. And wouldn't it be great in your neighborhoods and in your families if you can begin saying, look what God has done for us in the midst of this difficulty. Yeah, I didn't have a job, but look, he gave me all of these things. I almost lost my business, but he reversed things. Look what he's done. Or you know what? I lost my business and he's still sustaining me. God is to be praised. That's what David wants us to do because God has been our focus and now we're looking at him and saying, look at what God has done. There's gonna be shouts of joy. Now, Pastor Phil is a little crazy sometimes. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. He can get a little excited. I'm not quite as excitable as Phil is, never have been. We're different ends of the spectrum emotionally. That guy can shout. He can sing. Some of you are like me. We can't do that stuff. We're kind of a little inhibited with the shouting, and certainly when it comes to singing, we aren't going there. But he says when God does a work, we cannot help but proclaim, look what God has done. And I'm looking forward to this coronavirus thing getting past us and able to turn around and saying to all of my neighbors and to saying to people when we finally get to meet in this auditorium, look what God has done. Isn't God good? Now, as a former pastor of this place, I want to praise you for something. I hadn't thought about it till just now. Thank you for giving because it is so important that the work of this ministry keep moving forward. We want to come bursting out of this coronavirus with great momentum, and we're going to need the money to be able to do it, and you continuing to give faithfully because it's a biblical challenge to give has enabled us to keep moving forward. And I'm going to tell you, when I see the numbers come in, I just thank God that, that you're giving because it's going to result in great things. And I, I tell you what, we need to shout to God and praise him for what he's done. It's just a wonderful thing. And I'm so thankful for it. Now, this next part, I'm going to go a little quicker over, especially beginning in verse 9. So I want you to hang on. But it's something we need to understand. Seeking God involves conversation with him. It's not just the fact that 
he's there and I fellowship deep inside, there's, a, there's something I do that enters into this. And it begins with several pleas. And in verse seven, it, it says this, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious and answer to me. You know, when we are in trouble, it seems like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling sometime. You ever feel that way? It just seems like it's not penetrating to God. And so, so David is here saying, God, listen, I'm in trouble. Would you listen to me? But it goes deeper than that. Would you listen to me? Would you hear me? And would you do something about what I'm asking you to do? David's not going to let this one go by. He pleads, God, listen. God, hear what I'm saying. God, answer so that I know you have listened to me. He's praying in, in, in this verse for God's grace and God's compassion to come flowing deeply into his life. So God, here I am, and all this has happened to me. Be gracious to me. Hear my prayers and answer them according to your word. And then he goes, after he pleads for that, he, he has this great desire in his heart to seek God. And I want to spend a little bit of time with you on this. In verse 8, it says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And there's the key for the whole thing. God has given us the key to his protection in the storms of life. You know what it is? Seek his face. Run to him. And I want to encourage you, in the midst of the storm you're facing right now, and the fallout of all the coronavirus stuff, I want you to look for him in the storm because I know he is right there. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will protect us. We are his children and we can count on it for all eternity. God says, just look to me, seek my face. So there's this prompting inside the psalmist that says, seek my face, seek my face. And the psalmist so quickly responds, your face, Lord, I will seek. As I meditated on that this week, I said to myself, and I hope you can say for yourself, oh, for a heart so sensitive to God that when he whispers gently to me, I obey with a fervent heart. You see, we're waiting for God to, to shout but God speaks silently and quietly to us. And I need a heart that responds to the murmurings, the, the promptings of the Spirit of God to move me forward towards God. Oh, that my heart would seek the Lord instead of all the things of the world. Is anybody with me on that one? Then instead of all the uproar around me, instead of all the things clamoring for my attention, my, my attention would be constantly, God, I want to seek your face. I want to be in your presence. See, here's what I realized, that God is calling me to intimate fellowship with him. And God is calling you to intimate fellowship. The question is this, will we have the courage to respond to go deep with God? Well, I have the courage to get out of my comfort zone and just say, God, I want to go deep with you. I want to seek your face. And that's the most important thing in my life. David goes on to a plea in verses 9 and 10. I'm just going to read those, but I'm going to set them up for you. David's fearful somehow he's going to be left all alone to face his problems. And so he enters this plea. He gets to the fact that even so that 
parents have forsaken him. What's he going to do? And it's desperate. He's afraid that God's going to hide his face in displeasure. And he says this, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Do you feel like that sometimes? Sometimes you feel like you're just all alone, that God's not even paying attention to you. He said, for my father and my mother have forsaken me. But here's the courage. The Lord will take me in. He said, even though everything else is falling apart, I know God will still take me in. He's been there in the past. He'll be there in the future. And then David says the result of all of this. Here's a plea from his heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. David wanted to know how to live a life that would please God. He said, I have all these difficulties, God. I don't know which pathway to tread. And sometimes life is so confusing. We're out there and say, I've got to make a decision, but I don't know what to do. It's right to just say, Father, I don't know what to do right now. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I'm stepping out, and I'm not sure where I'm going, but God, you got to help me right now. And that's what David is saying to us. God, I need your light and the pathway in which I'm treading. And most of all, God, I want to tread in the path of righteousness so that I act wisely and not sin while being oppressed. Pastor Phil talked to us about this a couple of weeks ago, about how when we're in the pressure of so many things, it's so easy to fall into sin. Let me tell you, when you have a lot of time on your hands, it's easy to fall into sin, isn't it? Your mind wanders. You begin to do things you normally wouldn't do. And David is saying, the key to all of this is, God, I want to seek your face. And God, I'm praying for you to teach me the paths of righteousness that I can walk in it in the midst of this difficulty in which I'm living. And I'm foolish enough to believe, my friends, that if I pray that and I surrender myself to God, he's going to direct my pathway every single time I ask him for that. He pleads to be rescued in verse 12. He said, give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. He said, God, don't let them overwhelm me. Don't let them destroy me. Don't let them have the victory. And he wraps it up with these two verses where I want us to, to wrap up this morning. It's this. Seeking God involves living courageously for him and then waiting courageously for him. And it's in the waiting part that we're in in verses 13 and 14. To wait courageously. It's, I'm going to tell you, I am, the older I get, the more impatient I become. I don't know. I thought when you got older, you were supposed to become more patient. I don't know what it is. But I have to learn this waiting game with God. Two things David tells me to wait for. Here's the first thing. He tells me to wait to see the goodness of God. In verse 13, he says this. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait a minute, David. You are besieged on every point. The armies are encamped against you. You're, the people are speaking falsely against you. All sorts of things. He said, no, I am going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, God, I know that you're going to rectify the wrongs. And I know that while I'm still alive, I'm going to see good things return to my life. Is that not faith? Is that not confidence? Is that not where God wants us? Hey, can't we pray in the midst of this 
problem that we're in, again, wherever you are in your problem, God, I want confidence to believe that I'm going to see your goodness in the midst of all the junk that's going on in my life. Allow God to turn that which is wrong into that which is good. In order to have confidence in the day of disaster, you need to listen to this. In order to have confidence in the day, day of disaster, you need to know God and his character before the disaster arrives. You see, what happens so many times, we get in trouble and we say, God, I, I need to find something in your word. We start going through the pages of the word. No, the way you face the difficulties of life is this, to know God before you get in the difficulties, then you can trust him in the midst of the difficulties. So if I were to do anything out of this sermon, regardless of where you are in your life, I would begin with this. God, the first thing I'm going to do is learn how to seek your face. I'm going to get in this book. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to know you so that when future difficulties come, I can have confidence in you because I know who you are and I can trust you. The second thing the psalmist teaches us about waiting is we wait in strength for God to work. We don't wait in weakness saying, maybe God will do something. I hope he does something about this. We wait in strength and in confidence that he will do something. He said, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isn't that a great admonition? Wait for him. I don't know whether it's the connotation of, go ahead, sit back in your easy chair. See what God's going to do on your behalf. Or if it's this, don't run ahead of him. Wait for God. But here's the key of this. Wait in strength. The word wait means to abide, to linger, to remain. Or I like this one. Just stick around. Hang in there. Wait for God to work and he's going to do something. How do we wait? I believe we wait before the throne of God in prayer seeking him. God, I'm going to wait for you to do something. I'm waiting here. I'm praying. I'm asking. But I believe we do something else. We wait with eager expectation to see what God is going to do. Man, I got a problem over here. I'm, I'm just waiting to see what God's going to do about this. I'm waiting for him to direct my pathway so I know which way to go. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I can't wait to see how it comes crashing through. Maybe at the last moment when I least expect it, God's going to take care of this situation. He's got it, and I can trust him. We don't wait in fear or timidity. We wait in strong confidence that at the right time and in the right way, God will work. And we, we wait on God, and when God works... Then we're reminded of a very simple truth. We're reminded that he is God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I wonder in the midst of everything you're facing, if you're recognizing that he is God, that he is in control, and he's got everything handled, He's calling you and me to seek him and to trust him so that everything works out just the way he had planned. As I was going through this message the last couple of weeks, knowing what I was going to preach on, I did something I haven't done in a while, and I don't know why I chose these dark days to do it, but I chose to read through the minor prophets. 
I thought, man, I'm just adding doom and gloom to doom and gloom. But in the midst of every one of those minor prophets, there's little nuggets of truth that we take out of there. And I read Habakkuk the other day. And Habakkuk is talking about all of the bad things that are going on in Israel. He's talking about the lowest point in Israel's history. And he gives us some words that kind of sum up exactly where I wanted to go this morning. Listen to these words in Habakkuk chapter 3. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, God, everything is gone. You expect now this lament to come, but watch what Habakkuk does. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. You know what he's going for? Hey, everything's bad, but praise God, he is God. He's going to give me strength to make it through. And in the end, I'm just going to lift my voice in incredible praise to an almighty God. How do we make it through the tough time we're in? Listen, friends, we've got to learn to seek God's face, to let him come into our lives and minister to us in an incredible way. And I think then we're going to make it through, not somehow, but with shouts of joy and proclamation that our God reigns, our God is great, and he is the answer for everything we face in life. I hope that will be your outcome of this coronavirus pandemic that we have been in. So are you going to let Christ be your light, your salvation, and the stronghold of your life during this pandemic period? I hope so. But how about this? Will you be making God and seeking God the pursuit of your life as you wait in confidence for him to work and then give praise to him as he begins to do so. Friends, again, this has been for believers and I hope you'll have that confidence. If you don't know Christ, I hope that you'll come to know him. You can press the button that's there about receiving Christ or you can make a comment there that you'd like to talk to somebody about knowing Christ. You can do that on that connection card that was on there. So many ways we want you to come to know Christ. And if you do know Christ, I want you to live not somehow, but I want you to live triumphantly in these days which are so difficult around us. Would you pray with me, please? My Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his great love for us. Thank you for the fact that we do not have to live in fear, but we can live courageously in a day in which our world has been turned upside down and we don't know what we're doing from one day to the next. God, this coronavirus is absolutely no surprise to you. You are God, and we will let you be God. Now teach us to follow you. I pray for those who are living in fear because they don't know Jesus. I pray that today they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. And I pray today that those of us who know you will live not somehow, but triumphantly, victoriously, as we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. I pray your great blessing upon us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.